Well, we're still in our Christmas series this morning, and we're actually going to be talking about a man by the name of Joseph. Anybody ever heard of Joseph in the Christmas story? It might kind of surprise you to learn that we're going to be talking about Joseph because, frankly, no one else did. I mean, they really didn't. If you're ever asked to be in a Christmas play, and you're asked to play the part of Joseph, don't take it as a compliment, okay? You're never going to win an Oscar for Best Actor playing Joseph in a play, because when he shows up in the play, what's he do? He stands by Mary, never talks, never has any words, never has any lines. In fact, you may not believe this, but there are no recorded words of Joseph in all of the Bible. But every year when we get to the Christmas story, we hear about all these other characters. I mean, of course we hear about Mary, right? We hear about the shepherds, we hear about the wise men, we hear about the angels. We even hear about the sheep and the donkeys. They get mentioned. And Joseph is like this fifth wheel out there. He shows up in programs. He doesn't bring any gifts, doesn't sing any songs, doesn't give any speeches. He just stands there silently in his sandals and his robe, minding his own business. You might say, well, why did God do this this way? I think it's because even though it doesn't show when you first take a glance at Joseph, there are a lot of things we can learn from Joseph and about his life. And think about this for starters. He was chosen. He was selected by the Holy Spirit to fulfill the role that he fulfilled. So I think there's something that we definitely need to pattern after Joseph in our walk with Christ. There's not a whole lot said in the Christmas story about Joseph. I'm going to pick out a few points that describe his character this morning. The first thing I see if you're taking notes is compassion. Joseph was definitely a man of compassion. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. I want to stop right here because I want you to feel the weight of this moment, even though it's almost impossible to do because things were a lot different back then. In those days, Joseph and Mary's parents, they would have had to agree on this union. In those days, there were prearranged marriages. Another reason I'm glad I didn't live back in that day. Amen. Can you imagine who your parents might have chose for you to marry? I mean, what kind of deal would that have been? Some of you are shaking your head right now and probably thinking, well, they could have done a better job than I did. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> Moving quickly along. But back then, the parents would negotiate the marriage, the wedding. I mean, including the price that was paid for the bride, which would have been paid to the bride's father. And after that, there was a public uh, wedding announcement made. And at this point, they considered that couple to be pledged, which is basically similar to our engagements today, except back then they were a whole lot more binding than they are today. Once a couple was pledged, they were already considered husband and wife. And even though they're considered husband and wife, they still couldn't sleep together, couldn't have sexual relations because they weren't yet considered to be married. I know it's complicated because it's complicated. <laughs> so in that day, this couple had to remain pledged for one year. Pledged for one year before they had their wedding. During that time, the couple would usually live, they would live separately, but usually with their parents. And this was all done to actually prove probably more than anything, the bride's purity. They waited that whole year so that after that year they could get married to find out if she's already pregnant or, or whatever. You understand what I'm saying? So back then when you were engaged, you were considered married. But to break that 
engagement off wasn't an easy thing to do. It wasn't just a matter of sending back the rings, canceling the catering, canceling the wedding arrangements. You'd have to get a divorce. Even though you weren't even living together yet, they were legally bound to one another. That's how strong this engagement was. Look at what it says in verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So if the bride-to-be became pregnant during this waiting period, the man could actually divorce his wife. So when Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant, he had the right to divorce his wife. He had the right to divorce his wife because it was actually Jewish law to be able to do that. The divorce alone would have caused shame and humiliation, not just to Mary, but her whole family. But even further than that, Joseph... Following the Mosaic law, being a Jewish man actually had the right to have her put to death. It was that serious. He could have had her stoned for becoming pregnant before their, their wedding. So can you imagine the confusion that was going on in Joseph's mind? Can you imagine the pain and the humiliation that he was dealing with? Put yourself in his shoes for just a minute. What would it have been like... If your bride-to-be came and said she's pregnant and you haven't even slept with her yet. I mean, he was obviously beside himself. And let me just tell you, he wasn't buying her story. I'm pregnant by the Holy Ghost. I can imagine Joseph kind of smirking and saying, mm-hmm, the Holy Ghost got you pregnant. Uh-huh, sure. If that's true, I've got some oceanfront property in Arizona I'd like to sell you. Amen? He wasn't buying it at all. But she was telling the truth. The father, there was, uh, someone else was the father of that child, and that someone else actually happened to be God. But Joseph, and thank God he was a good man. Thank God he was a kind man, a compassionate man. He decided to do this divorce thing as nicely and quietly as he possibly could. Matthew says, because he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Why would he do that, as hurt as he was? I think he did that because genuinely he loved Mary. And genuinely, he had compassion for Mary. But how many know in our day, in our age, in our culture today, that compassion and tenderness in men isn't as highly valued in our macho culture today as it used to be? But think about the greatest man who ever lived walked out these values every day. Jesus Christ lived and breathed these values and qualities every day. The Bible describes Jesus actually as a man's man. You may only see him as this uh, meek and mild. He was that. But he was a man's man. He was so strong that he ran the money changers out of the temple with a whip. Remember that? But the Bible also says he was meek and lowly in spirit. Twelve times in the gospel it tells us how he had compassion on someone. And several times we're even told of Jesus shedding tears. And many times that was in a public place. So you might say Jesus was man enough to cry. What am I saying, and especially to the guys this morning? God wants us to be men of conviction. He wants us to be men of backbone who won't bend and compromise to do evil. We'll have a strong side against evil, but also, he says you should have the same spirit of kindness, tenderness, love, compassion that Jesus had. He wants us to have both. And I'm not just speaking to the men. He wants that to be our hearts, people, today. To have both sides. Carl Sandburg once described... uh, Uh, Abraham Lincoln, as a man of steel and velvet. Well, when I think about Joseph and our even greater example, Jesus, 
They were both men of steel and velvet, men of strength and men of compassion. But think about Joseph. He's only a man. Sometimes I think we elevate these Bible characters up to be almost out of this world. They weren't. He wasn't. He was a man. He has to be thinking he's been cheated on. He has to be brokenhearted over this whole deal. He has to be going through a roller coaster of emotions, hatred, frustration, sadness, depression, and a big one would have been confusion. Even though he would look at Mary and consider her guilty of this offense, he doesn't do what he has every right to do. Instead, Scripture says that because he was a good man, Scripture emphasizes that he was a godly man, because he was a good, godly, compassionate man. He thinks of her instead of himself. Joseph thinks of Mary instead of himself, as crazy as this whole thing seems, and decides to divorce her quietly, to be as nice and quiet about it as possible. That, to me, shows the character of Joseph. To me, that is so powerful, which brings me to point number two, if you're taking notes. Trust and absolute surrender. Joseph had to trust, and he had to have an absolute surrender over to God's plan. Because I believe within Joseph, there were two battles going on, raging in his heart at the same time. For one thing, on one hand, he had this woman with him every day, maybe on his arm, walking to the market, walking through the streets of Galilee, maybe on the way to a friend's house for dinner, who's unmarried and pregnant. Back in that day, that was scandalous. I would imagine Joseph starting to see people stop when they see Mary and Joseph coming, and they're starting to point, they're starting to whisper, they're starting to gossip. The rumor mill was flying everywhere. But on the other hand, I believe there was another battle going on in Joseph's heart where he was listening to the still, small voice of God saying, Joseph, as crazy as this sounds, if you'll just trust me, everything's going to work out. Joseph, if you'll just put it in my hands, everything is going to work out. Would we have put it in God's hands? Think about how you would have responded to that news and to Mary. Would we have had her stoned? Because of the shame, humiliation that she brought on us or maybe our family? Or we, would we have surrendered our pride? Would we have surrendered our rights, surrendered our pain and our shame and given all that over to God without any question? It's a hard question to answer, right? We'd like to think we would react like Joseph, but unless we're in his shoes, I'm not sure we would. Amen? Joseph had every human right, he actually had every legal right to do away or put away Mary, either by divorce or by death. So Joseph had a decision to make, right? Is he going to do right by the law or is he going to do right by God? I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but sometimes you get in the middle of things. They intersect. It's a conflict. It was with Joseph. Guess what he did? As chaotic and crazy as the whole story was and her being pregnant by the Holy Spirit, he chose to follow God. He chose to actually do things God's way, which wouldn't have been an easy choice because he knows that if he chooses Mary, no one's going to understand it. She's already pregnant. They haven't even slept together. This isn't looking good for Joseph. He's going to face humiliation, pain, and shame. But he still chooses Mary, takes her to be his wife, regardless of the embarrassment, because he's trusting God. She's trusting God. And let me just point out something that stuck out to me this morning. Let's be honest. None of us can appreciate the weight of the situation that Mary and Joseph were dealing with. Think about this. To hear about this virgin birth. You know, you and I have the benefit of reading this Christmas story year after year after year. 
We hear about the virgin birth, but guess what? They didn't have the story. They were making the story. Amen? They didn't have the benefit of already hearing and having the story. We do. I look into this crowd, and a lot of you have made huge sacrifice to, sacrifices to invest in the kingdom of God. Physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually, into the kingdom of God. And the only reason anybody would ever do that is you believe he says he, he is who he says he is. That you're trusting him. The only reason you would ever make an investment like that, a wholehearted investment, is that you believe that Jesus went to the cross, was raised from the grave, that every promise he speaks is true, and he has an eternal kingdom. We believe that because we trust him. And I'd say, in fact, today, if you're struggling with being sacrificial or generous, it's probably because you lack a little bit of confidence in the promises of this unseen God. What if he asks you to forgive someone that you don't want to forgive? What if he asks you to forgive someone that has wronged you? Maybe they lied on you just to make themselves look better. What's the scripture say? God says we are to forgive just as God has forgiven us. Forgiveness is one of the biggies. It's hard to do. Easier said than done. But we are to forgive. We're actually to surrender our will over to him. And I'll say this, following Jesus, and I mean really following Jesus, not just acting religious, means absolute trust. Absolute trust in this unseen God, which brings me to point number three. Be God-focused. Joseph may have not started out that way, but he came, became God-focused. Before Joseph did anything, he did something that I think we all should do whenever we're in situations where we don't know what to do, if you caught that. He sought God. He confided in God. Look what it says in verse 20. When he had considered this, you can imagine, I can imagine Joseph laying it all out before God, saying, God, I'm in a predicament. None of this makes sense. I don't know what to do. I need your help. I need your guidance. Matthew 21, verse 22 says, And all things whatsoever ye ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. What's that tell us? If you're really believing and you're really praying and seeking, you're going to receive. That was exactly what Joseph was doing, and he received his answer from God. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." Step back a few steps. Joseph was ready to divorce his wife, do it as quietly and as nicely as possible. But God steps into the scene and has another option. How many times have you been in a situation and all of a sudden God steps into the scene and shows you another option? An option you never even thought was on the table. God is a bigger God than our minute thinking. Amen? He shows us options that we never even thought of. And they're not always going to be the easiest decisions to make or the e- easiest choices. But they're going to be the best choices and the best decisions that we've ever made. And when our decisions affect the lives of others, that's when we definitely need to step back, take a moment, consider what God has to say about it, and follow Him, even as hard as it might be. And that's exactly what Joseph was doing in this whole story. Verse 22 says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24, when when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until 
she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Brings me to my point number four about the character of this man we're looking at today, Joseph, and it involved a lot of self-denial and inconvenience. A lot of self-denial and inconvenience. Verse 25 tells us that Mary did not, Joseph did not know Mary. Wasn't that he didn't know her mentally, okay? That's not what they're saying. He hadn't had sexual relations with her yet until after the birth of Christ. So think about Joseph. This man is probably, he's a normal man, I said that. He's waited a whole year in the engagement process, and then he waits another year on top of that, and I think that's major. Because I think God is bringing a point out to all of us, following Jesus sometimes means doing the hard thing. Uh, means actually denying ourselves some things that we might otherwise enjoy or want to do. You know, there are single people out there that they're not waiting until they get married to have sex. Um, and then they're wondering, what's wrong with our wedding? What, I mean, what's wrong with our marriage? Or It's not even a marriage. What's wrong with our relationship? Let me just say this as nicely as I can. If you're out of the will of God and doing things that are contrary to His word and His will... You can't expect the blessings of God. God cannot bless something that's outside of His will. I'm just saying. It means denying ourselves some things that we might otherwise want. Those are His words, not mine, by the way. Amen? But do you realize how much Jesus' birth complicated Joseph's whole life? It complicated his relationships with his family, with his friends, with his job. Eventually, he had to move to a whole other place and start all over. My point to every one of us here is serving God isn't always convenient. Amen? I'll just say it's very seldom co convenient. And if your defining characteristic of uh, looking for a good church is convenience, if a church is preaching the gospel, you're never going to find that church. Because God didn't call us to convenience. He called us to commitment. He didn't call us to uh, a life of convenience. He called us to make some hard decisions sometimes when things are uh, not so easy. Some people say, well, they don't volunteer at their church because they work too many hours. They've got too many kids. Let me just say one day I would like to be sitting beside you in heaven uh, telling Mary that story. <laughs> Think about it. She went through a little bit of inconvenience. Some people are saying, I can't believe my church has the audacity to ask me to serve in the nursery for one uh, weekend out of the month or maybe out of six weeks. Talk it over with Mary sometime. She's probably going to say, well, I had to carry this baby that wasn't even my own, and in the end, it forced me to move out of my own land, out of my own country. I only said that to put it in perspective. Mary's dealing and Joseph were dealing with things that we had never even imagined. But I will say this, the people in our church who serve, they don't serve because it's convenient. They serve because they're committed to Christ. Amen? It's not about convenience. It's about following His commands to do it for the least of these. Amen? So sharing Christ, you might think for a pastor, that's got to be easy. It's not. I have a difficult time striking up a conversation with a neighbor about Christ or with somebody at the DMV sitting next to me or at the grocery store. It's not easy, but guess what? God told me a long time ago, it's not going to be easy. He doesn't want convenience. And us looking for convenience, he wants our commitment. And I do it because he commanded to do it. And it's not easy, and I fumble my way through it sometimes, but you and I all have that responsibility to share the love of Jesus Christ to the world around us. When Jesus was born that first Christmas, let's just say for the most part, not many expected it. 
It was unplanned, and it sure messed up Mary and Joseph's plans. They actually loved each other, wanted to come together and have a, a, a marriage, a wedding, start having kids the normal way. Didn't quite work out that way. God wanted Joseph and Mary to be husband and wife. There's no doubt about that. That was part of his plan. And just as things got rolling along smoothly, guess what happened? God stepped in the middle of the picture. Do you, know how God, do you realize God has a way of messing up things sometimes? <laughs> he actually does have a way of messing up uh, things, and he did for Mary and Joseph. He said, wait a minute, I'm changing your plans to mine. He looks at Mary and says, uh, Mary, you're going to get pregnant before the wedding day. Uh, Joseph, you're not going to be the natural father of the child. And he said, it's going to be a virgin birth, and the baby's actually going to be God himself. Okay, how hard would that be to grasp if you were Mary and Joseph in that day? And none of us are facing quite that problem, I'll guarantee you that, or even on that level. But every day, we face things that don't always go according to our plans. Ever realize that? Things don't always work out the way we have in our plans, in our minds. God has a way of messing up those plans. And when I look at Joseph, I'm looking back and thinking, he's probably okay with the way God messed up his plans. Because after all, God's plans for Joseph were greater than Joseph's plans for Joseph. And the same is true for you and me. God's plans for you are greater than your own plans for you. And think about this. Joseph was the only man who had the Son of God call him Dad. Think about that. He had that privilege through his whole life because he followed God's promises. Bottom line, what I'm saying is, following the, the will of God is not always going to be the easiest thing to do. It's not always going to be the most convenient thing to do. But I think we can learn from this story, it's always going to be the right thing to do. It's going to be the right thing and the best thing to do. So my question to every one of us in this house today, are you willing, and I'm speaking to men and women today, are you willing to be the Joseph in your world today? Are you willing to step up and say, God, I don't understand it, but I'm willing to carry out your plans because God's plans for you and for me are a whole lot greater than our plans for ourselves so let me end with this. Next time you see a nativity scene and you see Joseph standing quietly in the background, I want you to look at him in a different way. I want you to look at him and see his courage, how he demonstrated courage against all odds, against all people who were uh, spreading rumors everywhere. He was facing shame and humiliation. He went ahead and married this girl that wasn't carrying his baby because he trusted God. And I think one of the greatest statements of any husband's love is that he protects his wife regardless of the cost to himself. When I look at this story, this whole story is about that. It's about a man that was willing to do that. I believe God is still working at creating courageous men this morning. Courageous, courageous. Is that a word? Courageous. That's where I was going. Courageous men and women this morning. Chris Spielman was such a man. I've got a little story about Chris. When Chris Spielman played for the Buffalo Bills, he was everything a middle linebacker should be. He was tough. He was smart. He was strong. He played with passion. He played with a total commitment and loyalty to the game. He even played the entire 1995 season with a torn pectoral muscle that he sustained in the season opener that year. But the game took a distant second in his thinking and his, in his life in the year 1998 season. He chose to stay home. 
He cooked, he cleaned, he took care of his kids, he cared for his wife by choice. Stephanie, Chris's wife, was struggling through the stark reality of having breast cancer. Surgery, chemotherapy, and nausea were Stephanie's opponents every day. But Chris was by her side every day. His actions definitely supported his family before job first motto that he lived by. Asked one day by a reporter, Chris, would you consider returning to the Bills uh, for the end of the season? He said, I'd love to. He said, I'd do that in a heartbeat. But what kind of man would I be if I backed out on my word to my wife? He said, I wouldn't be a man at all. You know, football fans saw Spielman as a man because of his aggressive, leave-it-all-on-the-field style of play. But what really made Chris a man was his personal sacrifice and unending commitment to his wife and to his family. We've been talking about Joseph. Joseph had that. And let me tell you, Jesus has that. That same personal sacrifice and unending commitment to us, every one of us in this world, that took him to the cross. Do you ever realize that everything Jesus did for us was hard? Nothing came easy? Do you realize when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane ready to go to the cross and he knew what was coming up? He prayed, Father, if this cup or this mission you've sent me on could pass, let it pass. But within moments, his courage, compassion, and commitment pressed through it all. And he said, not my will, Father, but yours be done. I believe today God chose Joseph because of the type of person that God knew he was deep down. I believe today with all of my heart, I know with all of my heart, God knows you. God knows me. He knows our hearts. And I believe he wants to use us to glorify him in the plans that he has for each one of us. And remember, his plans for you are greater than your plans for you. Could you stand to your feet this morning? All he's asking us to do is trust him, to trust him. Joseph and Mary trusted him against all odds. We can do the same. Could you bow your hearts in prayer? Father God, I thank you that you're here to help us to trust you, regardless of how our circumstances look, how we feel. Help us, Lord God, to surrender our will over to your will. Help us to hear that still small voice that I believe Joseph was listening to in the midst of his struggles and trials. I pray we hear your voice as you whisper to us, trust me, and it's all going to work out. So this morning, I don't know what you're dealing with, but I know every one of us are dealing with something. And I believe that he's here to tell you that, trust me, put it in my hands, consider what I have to say, and it's all going to work out. Lord, I thank you that your plans for us are always greater than our plans for us. And Father, in this beautiful season that we celebrate the birth of our King, the birth of Your Son and our Lord and our Savior, let us appreciate You and all that You are. Let us appreciate the wonders of Christmas today and forever. And let us spread that good news to the world around us everywhere we work, everywhere we go to school, everywhere we live, everywhere we are. Provide a way that we can share your love and compassion to the world around us. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week.